This episode brought to you by that goddamn motherfucker who keeps bringing his metal dice and nicking my table. Hi everyone, and welcome to Stay A While and Listen, episode 4. We'll be going over the very broad strokes, the history of the tabletop RPG uh, industry, and just kind of hitting highlights. Uh, Matt has been resurrected, so uh, That's he will be rejoicing us. You, you wouldn't believe how loose dirt can be when it's a certain time of year in a graveyard. You have to dig your way out of that shit. And Candace joins us again. And unfortunately, we don't live up north, because that shit would have been frozen. You want me to stay dead. You could just say it. Be a pussy and stare at me from across the table like you think I don't know. I really think he'd make good jerky. Just saying. This is what that happens. also means you're a cannibal. I don't know how much <laughs> you want to go over all this, but it ain't looking good, sunshine. <laughs> this is what happens when the, ta- when the podcast plays Mario Party. Yeah, it is. So the coronavirus exists. I don't know if this is going to reach an audience of people actually living on the other side of this when it's released, but uh, good luck. So far, we've had one UK listener and at least like 14 cases of it in the US, so maybe. Well, it's confirmed in Illinois, uh, Chicago, and... Uh, don't, don't, don't have an outbreak in Chicago. Place stinks like a urinal. <laughs> fucked. Oh, God. It wasn't that bad. I've been there before. It was just windy as hell. It's the only way you get rid of the stink. <laughs> it's the wind. So, uh. we all know the big uh, granddaddy of them all was D&D. Yeah, and you, to, to be honest, like when you're looking at the history of RPGs, I would love to sit here and start with the big RPG wars in the late 80s and 90s. Or any of the other thing, but you can't, you cannot, you cannot start any conversation about RPGs without starting with fucking Gary Gygax. I don't care where you go. That's where it starts. It starts with D&D. And stealing other people's ideas. No, not, uh, okay. Let, let me, let me give you a setup of why on, we have. Come on. All the fantasies kind of steal from each other. Well, he makes a note of it in yeah. the very first one, because, okay. Before we had any kind of RPG, what we had was tabletop war games. We had uh, Avalon Hill uh, put out what was called the Battle of Gettysburg. Both Ga- uh, Gygax and uh, what's his face, the guy who's Dave not- Arnson. Dave Arnson. There you go. That's played those games, and uh, Gygax was actually part of a a war group uh, off where he was at. Uh, mind you, it's been three weeks that I did research ago, and I've once again I'm. I was resurrected, so, you know, all, all, all bets off. But um, the trick was is that whenever you had these wargaming groups, they didn't go smoothly. They never really did. People didn't have cohesive sets of rules for most of it. Most of them were you'd have, like, you know, Napoleonic Wars and things like that. And people would favor for historical accuracy of a weapon over a unified rule for how it works on the board. So people would argue over it. So Gygax made chainmail. Chainmail is just an additive to uh, uh, wargaming. It's not in and of itself. It's not in and of itself as its own inherent system. I mean, you know, one of the first wargamings you can think of is was oddly uh, who wrote Time Machine. H.G. Wells. H.G. Wells. Thank you. Yep. 
H.G. Wells made a war game for kids to play using the little green soldiers that they got. Yes, he did. And that was one of the first things that kicked off tabletop wargaming. In earnest. I think if you search hard enough, you can probably find that original Yeah, and and it's fairly simplistic rule. Oh, yeah. But once you got into more historically accurate battlefields, like nobody had any good sets of rules for how a turbochet works or for how many people versus damage, things like that. So they made chainmail, and Gygax made that. And, you know, even if you read the original D&D... Okay, so originally when D&D was published... I'm jumping ahead because I don't how it was made and all that. But even when you read the original D&D when it was published, it had the three books in there. And there wasn't a dungeon master. That wasn't the term they used. They used the same term that they used to referee. The The guy that ran the game was a referee because that's what the guy that ran the the battles in the, the wargaming was called. Okay. And... One of the first things that happened, um, when you when you actually get into uh, first, you have Gen Con. Uh, it's by Lake Geneva. Guy starts that, I believe, in '68. But when he starts working on this system, uh, he runs it out of his home, and he runs it with his kids, and he he runs it off of note cards. He sits at a desk. They have their characters on a note card. He actually didn't run miniatures. Uh, the other guy actually Arneson. had Arneson actually ran before he he met with uh, Gygax. He took the step of making a war game. People were kind of bored with it and said, how about each one of us acts out a different character in this historical war? So you'll be a general, you'll be a spy, you'll be a merchant, things like that. You'll be a red shirt. Yeah, you didn't make your own character. The referee came with the characters made, and it took the emphasis off of the actual uh, large-scale battle to a more nuanced story of the people within that war, within that battle. And Gygax, whenever they were making this and whenever they were playtesting it, Gygax had made a world called uh, uh, Greycastle, I believe, and the other made uh, Darkmoor. Those eventually became settings in D&D. Greyhawk. Greyhawk. Yes. Is Greyhawk and Darkmoor. And Darkmoor was his, and they ran it differently, but that was their that was the test settings for D&D, were those two. And you can tell the difference in the way people thought about how the system worked by, you know, if you play it. But you don't have anything when it comes to RPGs unless you have war games. And it goes from the large scale to the minutiae, and from the minutiae to let's be heroes, let's roam the earth, let's do that. Even even in the very beginning with uh, uh, the first D&D, really, it was just a dungeon. Mm-hmm. And they just would crawl, uh, do a dungeon, well, we'd call a dungeon crawl, you know. And the, the, the trick that made it so appealing for a lot of people is, is if your character died, your new character could come along and find your dead body. When you killed kobolds in a room or something, they stayed dead. It was a it was a, a story and a landscape you had an impact on. And it wasn't just once and done, next time, play through, and it's a different iteration. 
you actually had lineage to your characters, and those characters had an actual impact on the world. To a certain extent, but the world building didn't come along until later. Like you said, it was mostly the monster crawls where you would, your dungeon crawls, where you would buy just an individual, this is your setting, here's like this vague storyline of shit to follow. Like, I want to say that it wasn't as closely scripted as like, those choose-your-own-adventure oh, no. books, but well, did the I'm trying to remember if choose-your-own-adventure books came out of the D and D universe. No, nah, choose-your-own-adventure books were around long before. That, those have yeah. been before, but yeah, because but, but they did influence it quite a bit because I think well, yeah. Okay, even one of the interesting things, even in the very beginning of D and D, it came out. It was ten dollars. It came with, uh, uh, I think, Men and Magic was one of the books. Monsters and Treasure was the other one. And the other one was something in Underworld, which was the area. But even then, there was a supplemental guide that Gygax and, and the other guys assumed you had, which was Survival of the Outdoors, which was a game in and of itself back in the day that he would use and said, get yourself a copy of this. This you can supplement. You in. need this game to run my game. Yeah, yeah. D and D actually had a you need this game game in it, which was the survival and outdoors game, which I think is eventually what prompted him to create his own rule set and his own sort of world. Just because eventually, I think this other game was like, hey, 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 get your own shit. <laughs> well, and when it came out, ten dollars was actually pretty damn expensive. Oh hell yeah, especially like. Yeah, because it came out in 74, I think it was. 74. Yeah. Yeah. And then in... AD&D came out in 77. Yes, it did. And Uh, I forget the order of the... 78 was AD&D. 77 Yeah, that's Advanced D&D. I believe there's a D&D red... Blue? Blue, red, white box. Yes. There was a whole chunk uh-huh. of different editions yeah, yeah well, you, you had all these different editions before you ever even got to dini 2.0 it is that worth was a big mentioning jump. that uh 74 was dungeons and dragons 75 was uh just looking on the wikipedia boot hill empire of the pedal throne on guard tunnels and trolls it's still all fantasy yeah and you're a uh, Men with swords, more or less. You know what came out? You know what amazingly came out the same time D and D did is there was an Arabian role playing game. I, I can't remember the name of it, but it was the it was the same time D and D came out. And so, I mean, Gygax's concept of playing as a character wasn't you know novel. Other people doing it. What made Gygax's uh, and the other guy's stuff fairly different was the world building to it. The 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 generation of continual storyline. Well, uh, 77 we have Traveler joining the fray and that's still going strong today. Oh yeah. Um, scanning ahead a little bit. Uh, Gamma World, which really, it's still going today, but it's a different Gamma World than it was. And I never played Gamma World. Uh, I don't know, there's a lot of my, I know history, but I don't know what they're like. 
I know one of the big ones was freaking Palladium Books, but I don't think they came onto the scene until Palladium 78 to 80? until 81. Oh, yeah. Because they came... And they're kind of claim to fame, aside from the aside from the bullshit with embezzlement and then the lawsuit against Wizards of the Coast, <laughs> was that they actually brought in a Japanese, uh, I it wasn't IP, but a Japanese. Uh, they did bring in. Yeah, Japanese they brought in IP Robotech. And they brought in Robotech. In they had Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Ninja Turtles in '85. Yeah, Heroes Unlimited in '84. Yeah. And it, I don't think they still have Turtles. I think Turtles back down. I do know that in the 2000s, they came out with a new Robotech. Which, if you know anything about Palladium, like, they had Glitter Boys in Rifts. The whole thing was... Rifts was a very weird system. It was a chunky, clunky, angry system (laughs) that took advantage of the time of the outbreak in... In RPGs. It's really not user-friendly. And on top of that, the different character archetypes are not balanced against each other. No. So while they claim you can have a game with a character from Robotech, a a Glitter Boy from Rifts, and a Ninja Turtle from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Other Madness. You can't. You can. They function together. That turtle's gonna die. But their power scaling <laughs> is entirely that different. Turtle, that turtle ain't gonna make it. <laughs> you ever seen a glitter board fire sleep? up? No. Yeah. And the Robotech with 300 missiles. Because <laughs> yeah. they had they had standard damage and mega damage. Mm-hmm. Which is the only system I've seen that has standard damage and mega damage. Well, you have the same concept in uh, killing attack... Uh, Lethal attacks or killing attacks in Hero System. And See, I haven't played Hero. GURPS know. has uh, killing damage versus regular damage. Yeah. Even D&D has lethal damage versus... Subdual. Uh, subdual damage. Yeah. Which, if you've used subdual damage in D&D, what's wrong with you? No one does that. Everyone is eventually, at some point, a murder hobo. I, I, I get sometimes, it. Sometimes, sometimes we actually use quite a bit of dual damage in ours because it's like oh. we're beating up all these people, but we need to know who the big boss man sometimes is or where you need they're information going. From them, yeah. yeah well, you so know. instead of giving him that last stab, you give him the thump on the back of the head with that the butt line. of your knife. It's, it's never subdual damage from the start. It's forks in the eye until they can't take much more, and then a blackjack, and hope yes. they don't fall forwards onto the forks. <laughs> That's how that actually equals out. It's, it's yes. shameless violence until the last HP. <laughs> I'll just knock him unconscious. You sawed his legs off. Why do you think this matters? You want him to die. You fucking don't saw his legs off. No, it's fucking more, crazy, it's, doctor. It's, it's more we just want him to talk because yeah. because those spells to get people corpses to talk are really expensive. Uh, so moving yeah, into talk for their corpses, not a bad idea. Moving into the eighties, mm-hmm. we start off with uh, that's where you go. Dallas, the role playing game. You know, like the TV show Dallas. It had a role playing game. This is the important thing, right? This is the important thing, right? Was that just just 
like sad housewoman that played that. Okay. This is you this reminded is, me something that I now have to look up. No, but in eighty, but in eighty, we did have a Dallas role playing game, which is a complete joke. But we had, and it died. Like it we did. had, <laughs> we had Dragon Quest. And uh, I was holding out for the Golden Girls RPG. Basic RPG, the the burp system that turned into uh, early Call of Cthulhu, didn't it? Yeah, and then Call of Cthulhu took over like the mad god it is over that system. In 81. And now, nobody, everybody was called... By the way, if you ever play Call of Cthulhu, you'll never, you'll never know the sadness of dealing with a ton of bullshit just to die. Quite like playing a Call of Cthulhu game. Sir, one of these days I have to introduce you to Ten Candles. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> I've played Call of Cthulhu. I've, I've, I have a good friend up at the so shop. So have I, and I love the game. Uh, yeah, I love the game until you die because of dumbness. Like, it, it's, uh, it's you, a long arc. You, you're playing you with the wrong people. You avoid it. You just have to run away more. Yeah. Yeah, and eventually the team gets tired of that, no, and some bullshit well, comes and gets you before you can. Well, then that's a crappy GM, because the GM is supposed to create a world and just I this mythos of I bet it's the same GM fear. that you like, though. Yes. Yeah. Because Next time the Yellow King comes into your goddamn world and tells you to go f- fucking shoot yourself in the face, you deal with it. Call of Cthulhu. Yeah, like- well, I was also half vampire. Call of Cthulhu, <laughs> like Ten Candles, like oh, what is the one? It was an interesting dread twist. Uh, is that the one I'm thinking of? What is the one where you're where the the system resolve mechanics is the Jenga ta- uh, Jenga blocks? I don't know, but that sounds insane. Oh, it's great! In order to succeed, oh my in anything, god, you I need- have just heard of this. It's it's a it's a one shot where every time that you want to do a thing, you're like, I want to one, two, I or wanna, three pulls. Yeah, it's like I want to walk up to Brian and bullshit something to him, and you're like, hmm, he's a pretty gullible asshole. One pull. So but if then you're, you're an like, older person I want with bad walk- motor skills. You so, shouldn't play this. So you know, other otherwise, I want to look like a ninja and do a backflip and then stab Matt in the kidney. That's three pulls. How many does it tell they just tell you to push the tower over? Oh, maybe we should become God. Push the tower over. Oh, <laughs> but no. Okay. Well, there, there is some games like okay. It, it's sort of like Dark Souls, and once again. Wow, I already made it to video games. Hallelujah, look at that. Uh, well, uh, don't worry, I'll jump off it. Dark Souls. Or actually, you know what's funny? You want to hear something goddamn crazy? Did Why you not? know that uh, there's a there's a uh, a type of video game that was based on a game that was because of D&D, and it's called Roguelike. Do you know what roguelikes are? Roguelike games, yes. Based off of, like, uh, they evolved out of the minds of Moria games. Can burn. Oh, yeah. They evolved out of a game that came out on uh, computers two years after D&D came out. People were making called Rogue. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. Rogue grew out of Minds of Moria, the uh, the first ASCII RPG game. Well, actually, they developed... I don't know if they, they developed from the other, but... Don't give me that look. I'll put goddamn <laughs> but no. Yeah, like, you got really hard video games now that are roguelike. Well, just fucking hard mode D&D. Uh, but no, that the sad thing is, is in games like that, like Dark Souls and everything, led to a fucking RPG that we have now. Yeah, it's called Dread. 
looking it up. Dread is the one with the Jenga towers. Yes. The the hard ass motherfucking one is there's an alien RPG. Mm-hmm. You just don't expect to live. It's selling real well. It is selling real well. This is people throwing their characters into a blender, giggling, clapping, and then drawing up another character. That that is what that game is. I've played it. I haven't had the chance to read the rules yet. You, you just die. It should just be like roll a dice, look at die, you're dead. Uh, you're dead. <laughs> oh. No, no, no. At least one or two options should be the alien fucks you. To death. <laughs> <laughs> if it's, it's a legacy not in the game, you come into, if you sacrifice a character by having the alien fuck them, you reroll a character, come back in, and sneak past him while he's fucking the corpse. It's a legitimate tactic, I think. If it's not in the rule books, <laughs> believe me, there are house rules for fucking the aliens. Okay, okay. If can, not, can, fatal exists. Can, can I pause on this? Oh, when geez. did perverts get a hold of D&D? When was the first asshole that came about with, I want to fuck the bartender if she's female? Have you met these people in D&D? They're they in every bards. other group. Every other, yeah. The fucking skeezy ass <laughs> bullshit bar. Why is it always the bard? I don't know, but Why is it never the wizard? Funny, because it's always the bard and they always have a skin flute. But... <laughs> <laughs> but no. Stop dying. Like, I, it is... Okay. <laughs> it's the saddest It's the saddest thing. And I always worry because it goes from a, a legitimate game that people are interested in making a lineage of their... Uh, the lineage of their characters to be memorable and epic. To... Then it devolves into you have murder hobos and yep. fucking perverts. And there, if I lived in the D&D world, I wouldn't be so concerned about kobolds and shit. The towns are full of fucking murder hobos and leches. Uh, don't ever be female and don't ever be in a bar. Well, uh, to be Or in a honest, stable or in a if, field or anything with <laughs> boobs and unattended. It's be, like a fucking Greek mythology bash. To be fair, most villages are are actually, oh God, it's them. And you just hear doors shutting all over the place and yeah. windows. Because no, it's happened before. Like fucking Smurfette knows what's going to happen. That's why she doesn't go outside anymore. Fucking D and D. If you ever play with a lech, it's always a phenomenon. If you're ever a GM that has a lech character, remember it's your world. STDs could be magical. <laughs> that shared look. Oh god! <laughs> your eyes for a second lit up with a sparkle of oh my god, it can. <laughs> you you can like, have magical STDs. Oh no. <laughs> A lot of horrors can be born out of magic, child. (laughs) Shriveled up adventurer in the corner who's just burping butterflies and farting rainbows. Don't take this world lightly, boy. They'll do things to you. (laughs) I'm 23. (laughs) Oh. It's like nobody ever has, like, drug addiction in D&Ds anymore. (laughs) Sound like I'm dying. No, have you ever had any know, right? any uh, characters that have got addicted to any drugs in a and d game? No, but I have heard a story where, for some odd reason... <laughs> wait for the dying end. There we mm-hmm. go. Sorry. Like, everyone had their own goal for it, and the GM was like, 
I'm going to satisfy your goal first. And they gave the dude, you know, it's like, you've done your adventuring, and here's this chick that you wanted to marry. You have a family now. You have a home. And he's like, well, I'm done adventuring. And they're like, but we still have adventure to do. Nope. Gotta wash the dishes. Wife said so. And for like- That's a good way to have a dark intro to the next adventure if you're that poor son of a bitch. Ninjas find your house and your beautiful wife. The dishes are the last thing you see before dropping one on the floor at the hearing uh, hearing the sound of a scream. Welcome to the new adventure. Your wife's dead. Go find her murderer. That's how you become a plot point. <laughs> never, never look uh, at anything the GM gives you and think you'll keep it. At the same point in time, I'm sick and tired of everyone being... I have no family. I have no friends. <laughs> I am an orphan. Yes. Because I would not Ed- give the GM edge lords. I always want I've always wanted to run a campaign with a guy that's like, So who are you? I'm I'm just a dude. My wife's at home. I have four brothers and sisters and a good upbringing. My parents are nice. They live in this town. Just some regular dude that just is on the adventure because or better yet, he's on it for tax reasons, like in this magical city or something. There's some sort of exemption you can get on your taxes, and he has so many kids, he needs it. And I said, I have eight kids. I have to do this. <laughs> Are you not seeking an adventure <laughs> for some reason, you someone? find out that he's just so fucking inept. It's like, well, I he's don't just know. It for tax reasons. <laughs> It's you like you the, said you're a thief, right? Uh, I, I oh God! Once. It's like the asshole that lives down the street and says he's farming, but really he just has like this six by six foot square that he plants pumpkins in every year that a, die because he doesn't weed them. And it's like, tech, how are you a you're, farmer? You're a farmer of, of sadness, maybe, or a <laughs> farmer of failure, but I don't see any. Or yeah, it's, it's like, like a I, video I, game. I, I, need ever, to sow the, I need to sow this with, you know, just so the winter crop we're going to put in winter wheat. I love wait, it wait what? I, I like it because it's an alliteration. Winter wheat. Winter wheat. Uh, oh god no it's sort of like old video games before we had video games that could go through seasons you know it's always fun having the video games where it has all the npcs on a scripted path and so every time you go into town there's that one jackass who's out there hoeing the same three foot square of his goddamn land every time nothing grows that's all he does like his life is a goddamn reoccurring nightmare But I, I want, I'd love to have, I'd love to have uh, a character who's just average as shit. Anyways, I've driven, I've drugged this, this topic off of the street and uh, bludgeoned it to death. So getting back to the history of RPGs. I think we're real quick, uh, we'll, we'll stop off and just kind of lay off some times of some of the big systems that are still around today. Uh, 81 yeah. was Call of Cthulhu. Yeah, uh, 80- still going strong. Okay. 82 was the first Star Trek role-playing game. I was going to say, Star Trek had to be in the 80s. They they beat uh, Star Wars by a couple of years there. Well, and the thing about it really? is, though, is that how many of these how many of these old systems aren't just floating IP? Meaning, like even like D&D went from uh, TRS 
uh, to Wizards of the Coast. If I'm not mistaken, GURPS is still Steve Jackson games all the way through. Because I would bet, I would bet Star Star Trek or Star Wars has been handed over. Oh, Star Wars has been handled over. People. Like oh, yeah. the West End games version of Star Once Wars. Once again, magical STDs. <laughs> Actually, spe- speaking of Star Wars, since it's owned by Disney now, will Disney be making its RPG? Uh, well, Fantasy Flight just killed its gaming department, so... Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the mouse yeah. is going to make an RPG. Won't that be wonderful, folks? Uh, I need one more thing that that business, you know, intrudes on in my common everyday life. The Soon honest enough. truth, Kingdom Hearts was damn good, so I could see doing a Disney RPG. I, w- I Kingdom- won't touch Kingdom Hearts. The newest Kingdom Hearts. No, that's not this podcast. No? But I will say the newest Kingdom Hearts can go burn in the fire. I still don't have an email up yet. This is going to be for people way in the future whenever I have an email yet. But as soon as this drops, I'm going to just drag my feet on having that email address. But Kingdom Hearts can go die in a fire because it's super system. They changed it to where it made me want to just take a knife and stab myself in the leg every time. Do you get to choose what your super is? No. What do you want to do with it? I want to flail around like a goddamn Disney ride. That's what I want to do. I hope I kill someone. So we were in 81, Call of Cthulhu, Fantasy uh, Fantasy Wargaming, which grew up to become uh, Warhammer. Yeah, which, good for Warhammer. Found its niche and just placed a goddamn flag. Yeah, it did. Rollmaster was in 82, Star Trek was in 82. What the fuck is Rollmaster? Uh, Rollmaster was like one of the granddaddies of the of the um, percentile system. Was it? Because okay, huh. y'all are gonna have to tell me about this because RPGs is not my big thing. So some of the we shit, noticed I don't know. apparently, uh, Rollmaster Rollmaster had a lot of let's just say. Mm-hmm. Uh, Warhammer and hero and stuff kind of. March along the same tomb uh, path as Rollmaster started. Rollmaster was the beginning of the book full of tables. Ah, okay. We had a table for everything, and so here's your loot table. Tables were important. Here's your monster encounter table. Here's a table for what's in town. Here's monster a table for what's on the table. table. <laughs> Which table are you going to use today? Roll on this table. Go to page 807. Your new table. Ta-da! Oh, uh, God, an enemy you, encounter table. You have anywhere to encounter in a 100-year-old dragon to a kobold. My Eight. favorite is my favorite is the encounter tables are always just so detrimental to the story. Because like, oh, no, nine out of ten, they're always, they're always something that just doesn't make fucking sense while you'd find it there. You're in a graveyard. Roll the encounter table. A young woman walks up to... <laughs> she undead? No. She, she a monster? succubus? No. She's an innkeeper. In a grave? What? Am I, am I walking in on a funeral? What are we doing? What kind of assholes are we? Would you like to see if you can loot her? No. (laughs) We'll just see. (laughs) 83 had Warhammer proper start its its system. Uh, Thus the space monster just drove through the galaxy and warped, destroying everything in its way on tabletops. No, this is Warhammer. 
not Warhammer 40k. Okay. This oh is, yeah, the original. This yes, is the fantasy. The of which... I, don't, I don't care. Skaven. Skaven is all I care about with that. The hey, rat people. I know 84. what they are. No fucking wood elves. It's because you Fight like them because they're pretty. 84 Skaven. was Elf Quest and uh, Fighting Fantasy, Heroes Unlimited, um, the first Marvel superhero game, the first Middle Earth role playing game, uh, Paranoia. It's kind of crazy that Marvel got its its start in the 80s in the RPG segment. It this always, was the face rip system, I think. Really? It's always kind of crazy to hear about it because we're so used to Marvel being subsidiary stuff off of whatever they did in the movies. Mm-hmm. That it's kind of weird yeah. remembering that they did a lot of shit before the movies, too. They kept themselves all sorts of busy. Better than DC did with all that. And I DC love DC is better, still but failing. 85 was DC Heroes. DC's not failing. Yeah. 85 also had the first Doctor Who RPG. I like Batman just because Judge we Dredd, know that he's crazy. Which I think was a Palladium game, I think. It seems like it would be because Palladium pulls off of more more off of uh, popular culture than a lot of the other systems. There's yeah, Teenage yeah. Mutant Ninja Turtles and other strangeness. That was Palladium for sure. Yep. <laughs> uh, 86 had uh, GURPS. Uh, I think I still have my Palladium books. Mech the only Warrior, thing I use the Robotech. Uh, Warhammer Fantasy in my house. Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay got its official, like, the big start. The last one was uh, the, the Warhammer Mass Combat. Now it's Warhammer Fantasy RPGs in 86. Mm-hmm. 87 is Star Wars, the West End Games version. Uh, the Robotech game for Palladium. 88, we got Rocky and Bullwinkle, except it's Bullwinkle and Rocky. Probably copyright something. I'm going to play that. <laughs> going to play that damn It's going to be horrible. I'm going to play that damn game. Uh, actually, 88 oh God, is also we, worth We will mentioning. record playing that game, how awful it is. Because you have to do the voice. Yes. 88 is worth uh, mentioning for Cyberpunk 2013. Nice. I'm going to have to change that name. <laughs> nah, it's fine. It's sort of like, sort of like Mega Man. Mega Man did it right when they're like, in the future 20, of 20XX. Why? Because fuck it. We're not gods. We don't know. Shadowrun came out in 89. Yeah, which... Yeah, but we're going to get to like 2099 and be like, God damn it, Mega Man was even wrong. We're never getting flying cars. No, we're not. We don't deserve flying we, cars. No, we don't deserve... You know what happened with people with flying cars? We wouldn't have good lanes. People would smash into buildings. We drive drunk on flat surfaces with only two dimensions to have to deal with. Oh, you God. put a third dimension in there, we're all fucked. Oh. No one I know that drives, especially my husband, is, is going to be safe in the air. I'm gonna. People are going to fall downwards while texting, smash into buildings while texting. No. No. You, you know why we're getting robots to drive a, uh, drive us now? Because we finally Your come husband? to the, well, yeah, <laughs> we finally come to terms with so, the fact that we can't drive. So, so, so the car can have a smart park? so that you can have sex in the back seat while on your way to wherever you need to be going. That stupid commercial kept popping up on YouTube yeah, last night. Yeah, yeah. God knows I'm going to do that. Captain or at least America try. car commercial. I've tried when we didn't have automated cars, so I mean I don't know why. I can't so ninety one. No. 91 has a game system that arguably changed the trajectory of role-playing games. Yeah. White Wolf? Vampire the Masquerade. <laughs> yeah. Ah, bitches. It changed it. it. 
I mean, one of the big things that, and, and also you got to go back to there is one. A lot of people didn't like fantasy war games, and so chainmail and D and D were weird at the time because it was a fantasy system, and it was you know Tolkien sort of feel to it. Hell, even in the first book, they had hobbits and ints. Um, but once you get to Vampire the Masquerade, it becomes way more about the roleplay and a lot less about the combat for most people. For a lot of gothy kids, it was about... It became a LARP. It was about emotions and sex. Yeah. And ennui. <laughs> oh, kill me with a hammer. That's true. That's so sadly true. Who's Sleeping With Who is a very unfun game in an RPG for me. For a lot of people, it's not. And I am unfortunately locked into Vampire the Masquerade as, as my husband runs it. So, <laughs> eh, a lot of times you're like, oh god, I just want to stab all the NPCs. Why, why won't it let me stab them? I could do this in other systems. Why can't I stab them now? Oh my gosh. Because rules. This is bad rule. But no, a lot of people loved it. A lot of people, I don't know if, well, and two things I want to mention here when we get to the 90s. One of them is, is that RPGs slowed down in a certain sense. People didn't invest as much money into developing RPGs. I mean, there were new ones and stuff like that. But you know what? A lot of these companies started investing these, in. These larger lists argue with you. Yeah. We well, had a boom. Yeah, we did in a way, but. One of the things that a lot of people's money started getting invested into at the time, TCGs. It was the 90s when TCGs started coming out, where you had uh, you had stuff like Magic the Gathering, you had stuff like Yu-Gi-Oh! You had a lot of stuff come out, and a lot of different uh, RPG systems tried to make TCGs. Hell, even, uh, even D&D. Actually, you missed an important one. 1984, Dark Eye. Dark Eye? Yeah, Dark Eye. It, it's actually a German system, which is probably why we don't see it quite as much, but they just put out an English release, and it plays on that same D20 kind of system, only you're rolling three at a time instead of just the one. So you're, instead of, oh, I got a crappy five, you're like, I got a five, a ten, and a fifteen. You succeed. You didn't succeed as well as it could, but you still got it done and the whole th uh, point of the system is that the strongest magic item in it is a crystal ball hence the name of the game dark eye but it's, well, it's a rather it, popular game to be honest it'd be interesting to see not only through history when things developed but what different mechanics developed when because yeah. like the big thing with vampire the masquerade is the specificity of a d Ten system, because even more specificity you'd have is a percentile system. Once you get into a percentile system where you have one to a hundred as possible numbers, you can more finely tune outcomes. Well, looking at it just at a quick glance, I know we had the GURPS system. What did we say? And that's three d six bell curve. Yeah. And then we had the hero system, which was champions when it first came out, wasn't it? And that was percentile based. And the first uh, burp was percentile based. That was eighties. And <clears throat> die fools happened in Shadowrun in eighty nine. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, and now, like, one of the bigger things and that the has... And fate system Defer- started to fudge in 92? Yeah, like, one of the one of the things that's now uh, a different thing. And mind you, now I'm just shitting up my ass, but with... What was it you were going to say before he shits out of his ass? That 80s was basically just a time of diversification of, hey, we can do more things with these polyhedrals than just the D20. <gasps> let's combine all of these and just roll them at once. <laughs> well, and like now you have different systems that have custom made D6s that determine outcomes. Yeah. Like uh, the Star Wars one that makes me sad when I see it. Or the Star Wars one that no longer was with us because it was part of Fantasy Flight. Yeah. That's so. one of the reasons we'd be sad. Well, and the sad thing is, is that it was better. It was more streamlined than the old Star Wars. My favorite version of my favorite Star Wars has got to be Star Wars Saga Edition when it was Wizards of the Coast. Wizards of the Coast Saga Edition Star Wars was actually pretty good. I had a good friend that would run those. Now, mind you, he was a crazy GM. I have about shit didn't make sense when he did it, but I have a little over half of the collection upstairs, including the. Expensive Kotor book. My seat when you talk about heavy groups of books that are above me. They're in the garage in the second floor, so you're you're good. They're not going to crush and kill. They're not going to crush and kill you. No, he actually just has a couple of rubber-made tubs strapped to the roof right above you, and he's waiting it for it to rain. If you make stories to this house, don't you? Only in the garage. Uh, Now that light above your head, I installed that. So if you're that's going to kill. If you're looking for how you're going to die. But I haven't replaced the tip with a blade, so you're good. <laughs> so it will just give me brain damage. Thanks. That's, that's so considerate. I can't do math anymore, but who gives a fuck? <laughs> you don't need math. We don't, we don't need math. We don't even need the child balancer checkbooks anymore. We have an app for that. Programming's not math. Programming's different. Technically, it's a language. It's true. <laughs> uh, so we don't want to hit this side of my head. <laughs> the language that can burn. I, yeah. I hate website building. Oh god. Oh yeah, no. Front front end programming don't do. Back end programming will do. Okay. Moving on from the eighties to the nineties. So we got out of the shoulder so pads. We're we're talking about And now we have skateboards and we're cool. We're talking about the emo baggy uh, the pants. emo game boost that was Vampire and it, the White Wolf games. Yeah. Now, if you've ever played them, they're amazing games. I get, the worlds are amazing because you got you got vampire, you got werewolf, you got dark world, like you have vampire, werewolf, mage, wraith, yeah. changeling, hunter, and then you have the apocalypse happen in their storyline, and everything gets fucked up. I don't know. And now we have five. Five is not bad. Five runs pretty good. I feel like something that White Wolf actually tried to do was introduce a little bit more of the politics and a little bit less of the stabby stabby. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, so, you know, I not, love- we're not all murder hobos. We used to dual damage. My favorite of the <laughs> games back then, and it's weird because I played more vampire than anything else, but my favorite of the systems put together was werewolf. Yeah, I love Werewolf. I never get a chance to play Werewolf. But one of the books they had was all right. So your your bad guys for for Werewolf, you had the servants of the worm. 
W-Y-R-M yeah. spirit yeah. thing. One of the books for the worm was Pentex. And they had different, like, subsidiaries. Avalon Hill Games was mocked in a mock-up of yeah. uh, the Pentex book. And uh, Black Dog Games, because White Wolf had Black Dog Games. <laughs> and mm. they're... they're they put, they tried to put a, a a level of complexity in the game that really made it have a great bit of world to be dancing across. Well, you know, they and, set a good stage. And another thing that we keep forgetting uh, at the early stages and still into the nineties of a lot of these games is that uh, they were designed by people that were a fan of like D anD D and a fan of the earlier stuff, and. A lot of stuff that you'd get that would go into books later would be fan stuff that was in earlier published in like the little periodicals that these different companies like White Wolf had it, and they'd come up with fan made stuff. And a lot of people that end up getting zines, yeah, a lot of people that end up getting writing jobs on these zines and everything was fans that originally submitted to it, and then they would end up working on newer stuff when it comes out in book form. So there was a big healthy connection between the fans and the company back in the day there really was in fact you at the very first D, uh, D book if you it said if you had rules questions you could write gary gygax and he would write you back and people would submit stuff for uh the early on thing and be like hey what if we're and in if this you situation fail to keep uh, and failure to keep proper uh Record. <laughs> Records of time passing in your game will keep it from being a proper game. Hi, Gygaxy. <laughs> yeah, hi, Gygaxy, indeed. Oh, my God. And, yeah, uh, Vampire would force that on you, too, by the way, with which which is a system that got discarded, by the way, by my husband when I'm playing it. But the hunger, however farther you go in the night before eating, it. Hey, it keeps oh. track with time, but it also you have the hunger and everything I loved else. how they did the hunger in the fifth edition. Yeah. That's so cool. I still wanted to bring that back and he's like, Oh, I hate messing with the hunger system. Like, what are we? Just superpowered people? Yeah, you're yes. your gothic superheroes in French wigs. Yeah, that's part of the vampire <laughs> thing is that you have to deal with the hunger. Powdered wings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh I know, I know. Don't worry, we have just started I love killing him, people. But yeah, no, I mean, and his games aren't for everybody. That's obvious. But that's the thing yeah. with GMs is that the system is so is so diverse that you two people will run it very differently. Yeah. Like, two people will run it very differently. And it can be, and they're both they're both legitimate, you know, legitimate games. That's what brings the tabletop hobby into just its own thing is the fact that. You get the right guy running the get the system, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden it goes from a game into an experience. Yeah, that's why I like I like the intro day kind of stuff, and I hate them. I like them because a lot of times people, especially in these this bigger gathering, we don't have them here in our POS town, mind you, but they'll get together and they'll run through a campaign, a, a pre written campaign, and they'll have multiple different tables going through the same campaign and adventuring group you can sit down. It's a good introduction. But where I think a lot of the RPGs truly shine is once you give a person who is, you know, neurotic enough to sit down and toy with the entirety of the world, 
and make their own story, then it breathes life into that story in a way that none of the books can. I mean, don't get me wrong, these pre-written books are, are fun, and they're invented by somebody. Someone had to write them, but like just being able to write your own story in a world and walk people through basically a novel. Okay, off of that idea then, because in the 90s, like you started to actually see a boom of your anime RPGs. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. You started to see, like, your Dragon Ball. I'm sure there's a Sailor Moon one out there. Like, personally, at home, we have a uh, Slayers book. The Sailor Moon came out in 98. Slayers. Yeah. I watched Slayers, actually. Huh? We have, we have Dragon the Slave! Anime. We have yeah. the anime series and the RPG book. But you started to see these show up a lot more heavily in the 90s. Yeah. But here's... During the weeb explosion. Yes. About to say. Of the late 90s. Anime coming. I'm I'm fine with this. Anime coming to America. I identify as at least an otaku or a weeb. Uh, I can't deny my weeb past. (laughs) I've got four nice Japanese tea sets and a sake sake jars in my china and a sword on my mantle. Anime came to America in the 90s with. uh, Japanese uh, with Chinese made subtitles of Japanese shows and that is an experience that every now and then you can tell when the staff wasn't getting paid and it'd just be what the hell they were saying back when you only had sub no dub I think the first stuff that you ever got was Sailor Moon DBZ and maybe Trigun were the first things that made their way over that were English. Dub. Trigun was older than that. The first things yeah. that came out Cowboy English. The first English dubs was like uh, Astro Boy. I was gonna say you go all the way back to the fifties. Astro Boy, I, I think uh, Astro, Astro Boy was Boy dubbed Speed after Sailor Racer. Moon, yeah, Astro no, Boy no. was way popular, but I don't think it came to America with American dub. Yeah, it yeah. did. Yeah, it was before it, before oh, Sailor Moon. Before did Sailor Moon, it, it? it came before, but it wasn't identified as its own subgenre of animation well, until we came, you know, into the eighties and nineties. But going back to the whole role-playing idea, where, Matt, you were saying that these games really come to life when you have a system, someone reads the book, and then it does their own thing. Yeah. Let's face it. You're going to play Dragon Ball Z. You want to be Goku. You want to be, you know... I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. College, I had a a friend of mine, Raph, who ran probably my favorite game of all. So wait, 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 wait. So you were Riff and Raph? Yeah. I didn't go by Riff back then, but yeah. (laughs) 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 Uh, Raph, Raphael, Raph. Part of me is going sadder. Uh, Raph ran an, a DBZ yeah. game for like four years, right? Yeah. And it was... It seems like a DBZ game. Half of those years were screaming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> whoever is here, whoever is here at game night gets to play. Yeah. Please As tell me you had a people who aren't there. <laughs> if the people aren't there, then their character's just not involved. No, 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 no. It was Yamcha. It was Yamcha. They, so, yeah, they just got Yamcha. Uh... <laughs> 
<laughs> Andrew was very much our series Goku. I was very much our series Vegeta. And by oh, the end, I would be shocked, but I left that shock face at home. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Me, the angry, argumentative temper. Blowing up people? No, I don't yeah, know why you think this not. comes from me. I was fairly sure you were grilling. You know, oh, I've never got the smell. Well, well one thing that worries me though grilling? is that DBZ being the way it is, it's a wonderful show. I'm not going to knock on DBZ. Um, it has its strong points and weaknesses. As an RPG, screaming <laughs> man, how do you not get railroaded in that system? Though? Oh, by the end of it, it was crazy. Because by the end Either of it... Either you're going to become gods shooting other gods, or you're going to get railroaded into being in the... Yeah. By the end of it, Raph had gone completely nuts. Uh, one of Andrew's characters' kids had gone off the deep end and was trying to destroy the universe and attacking us with living teddy bears. That seems like DBZ. Yeah. Yeah. With Akira mixed in. Oh my god! It, it, that's exactly it. It was it was Akira Z. I want to play the Akira, Akira RPG. <laughs> Akira RPG would be a nightmare. Either Akira oh, or God's RPG. How does the game start? You're crying in a corner. Oh, why? Well, let me tell you. Oh, sort of the Berserk. Yeah. I think it's just Berserk in just English. Berserk. It's just Berserk. But uh, sort of the Berserk. Yeah. That's the RPG for us. You must sacrifice all of your friends for divine power. <laughs> all right. Quest one. Kill well, your okay. family. <laughs> okay. I guess we can do this. But I don't want to kill your family. <laughs> but Matt, <Damn> Matt, <laughs> you must sacrifice all of your, your uh, the, the army that rides under you for your divine power. Meanwhile, your faithful lieutenant is Candace, who must be... Uh, you must choose between loving her or God stab. power. <laughs> stab. And, stab. Oh. <laughs> and if you stab her, then your other lieutenant, played by Brian, will be uh, mad stab. at you because he loved her, but she loved you. And it's all oh, stabbing Jesus. everyone. No. <laughs> Demonic power. Oh, Jesus. This is why you don't make soap opera and, RPGs. Then you come back. You I know? told you, Dallas existed. <laughs> <It> does. <laughs> oh, that would either be an amazing RPG to play because I would play a character who just decides to lose their mind and has a gun, or it would be the worst RPG. What's the other big long-running soap opera that had, like... Love Boat? No, it's, like, Gen... Oh. General Hospital, there's General all my Hospitals, children. There's all my what's, children. The, what's the one that As the world had like turns. that had like world destroying devices involved at some point? Serious super villains and all this? sorts of random shit in the nineties. Watch that. Yeah, I oh, know. They I, were wow. It's like they hired a writer I, I, from Mexico or something. No, what happens is I can tell you what happens. There's a writer that, is great. There's a writer that's young and enthusiastic and comes to a TV station. But he has and says, to have an eye patch. Yeah. And this, this guy says, I have a wonderful idea for a romantic comedy that is also intriguing. And they say, that's great. 20 years, can you stretch it out into that? And this dumb son of a bitch writer goes, eh, sure, we'll see where it goes. 20 years later, all he does is smoke in his trailer. He's like, ah, fuck it. Alligator people led by the clone of the daughter. Die a hero and live long as <laughs> It's sort of like, it's sort of like uh, the guy who wrote Star Trek. Uh, uh, <laughs> Roddenberry? Roddenberry, yeah. He could never write anything but that without any kind of notoriety. So it's just like, and in this movie they meet God. 
And they ask God, what do you need? Please, someone hire me for something different. Oh, God, why? That 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 trope itself is older than time itself, because uh, Arthur yeah. Conan Doyle was like, I'm tired of writing Sherlock Holmes. I'm going to kill him off. And his fans are writing him, no, you must write How more. How Baskerville? Was so was so hated for that. No, it was the the Reichenbach Fall. Was it the Reichenbach? I he, thought he, he died in Hounds of the Baskerville. No, it's the Reichenbach Fall. He writes the the Reichenbach Fall, killing off Sherlock Holmes, and all the fans are like, "No, you must write more Sherlock Holmes." Oh, God, you tired. know, you know what finally convinced <clears throat> him to write more Sherlock Holmes? His bank account. His bills. <laughs> His mother. You write more Sherlock Holmes or no room for you, young man. Listen, Edna and I were talking at the book fair, and I like having an author as a son, and I'm proud of you like this. But so help me, I'm telling your father, if you don't write another book, son of a bitch. (laughs) Oh, my God. Well, it's sort of like Terry Pratchett. Terry Pratchett had the same problem. You ever read any of Terry Pratchett's later books? No. Some of them are just cries for help. I love him. He's one of my favorite authors. Well, he's dead now, but <laughs> yeah, there is some he's just like, okay, I'm just gonna, here, take the book as a part of my dignity attached. Oh, okay. You already have torn it off and thrown it away. Okay. That's, thank you. Goodbye. Well, it's Come back to me when you need to melt this sad cow again. <laughs> Real quickly, let's go ahead and mention that uh, we had, we have, just come off of an indie RPG boom. Uh, things like... Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Things like Powered by the Apocalypse and... Um, well, I mean, what, what is Pinnacle's system? Uh, Savage Worlds. Yeah. And- well, if you, if you think about it, it's a cycle. Like, originally RPGs came about because the fans wanted something. And it was made by the fans and it was fueled by the fans and eventually it became corporate-owned. Because these people got money, became corporations. And, and then they, we get sick of buying their shit, yeah. and they go under, and then, oh, hey, we need something these to fill the thing. void, and the indie people. These indie people have fresh ideas that we've never seen that are great, that are new, that are revigorating. And so we attach to them, and here's, you know, Wizards of the Coast standing off in the corner with all these large properties going, yes, we'll throw some more dribble out there. Monster Manual Ice Edition. Bleh. And it lacks the ingenuity or the heart that the original stuff had. You know, it's it's a goddamn unmitigated cycle, to be honest. But yeah, they, it's the same with board games. Indie board games right now are exploding. Yeah. Like oh, yeah. Root. Like Scythe. I love Scythe. And you go online to YouTube and you can see the guy who made Scythe. He's like, hi, I just made Scythe. Here's how it plays. I hope you like the game. You know, that dude's fucking swimming in money at this I'm point. I'm going to look you that video up one. tonight, and if he doesn't sound oh. like that, oh, no. I will be disappointed. No, 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 no. I put a comment on there, and he responded. That's I was like, impressive. I love your game. Your game's amazing. Thank you. I'm glad people like playing it. And I'm like, oh, you adorable man. I'll steal you into <laughs> But the games are what brings us together. They yeah. always have. Like, yeah. one of the strangest connections I've ever ran into. Just because she was a prostitute doesn't mean anything. I wa- I read web comics, right? Yeah. Okay. You ever Who doesn't? Read, do you ever read Order of the Stick? Never read Order of the Stick, no. but it sounds fun. Okay, Order of the Stick is a three, three, three point five D and D stick figure web comic. Yeah. And their forums became one of 
the places to go for character optimization of Pathfinder characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. People would write these solid guides in the same standard format for every class. Yeah. So, when you're going into the character optimization boards on a webcomics forum... <laughs> yeah. What you don't expect to run into is, like, your fourth or fifth favorite urban fantasy author. <laughs> the guy who writes the Alex Virus novels mm -hmm. also writes character optimization <laughs> on the giant in the playground. Yeah. <laughs> so it was one of those strange little serendipity <laughs> moments when he and I are getting into a conversation, yeah. and I'm arguing with him, and we're having this civilized argument back and forth about rules and then a couple hours later you realize oh wait that's his username why does he have these books as his thumbnail oh, oh they're because his he's because he's the author well and the other thing about it is, is interesting what large companies are good at is large companies are good at marketing and they're good at churning out iterations so i mean it's the same problem that we have with Whenever we get m movies that are remakes and that are sequels and sequels and sequels and sequels, why we get tired of it? <laughs> but they're they're good at making, uh, you know, building on an existing IP where you have like the D and D IP. I don't know how many different beholders there are. I don't know how many different settings there are, but it's a huge, giant, lumbering beast at this point. What they're not good at is coming up with new ideas. Mm -hmm. They can't do that well, and you have to depend on indie stuff. Once an indie person takes off and it's great and everything, eventually either... And then we buy his stuff. Yeah. And then turn like out a monster of that crap. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, it, it, the, the way it works is that they look at the, the demand and they'll be like, oh, you want this? Here, let's cram as much of this as, that we can down your throat until we're absolutely sick of it. Then some dude comes along with, hey, you want to play a game as, you yeah, know, small rabbit that shoots things? You know, I haven't the, played that, sure. You know. Why not? The D&D Bunnies and Burrows comes out. Oh, look that up. Bunnies and Burrows is a real thing. Yeah. D&D 3.0 with the open game license did wonders because everyone could now write for D&D. Oh, yeah. But it's also, it spawned the D20 boom yeah. of 2000. And, and then look what Wizards did. Hey, who wants to play 4.0? Uh, oh, guys. <laughs> guys. <laughs> oh. Wizard, Wizards was already losing to Pathfinder by that point. Oh, uh, yeah. Pazio is like, oh, open game license. Don't mind if I do. Yoink. <laughs> Yoink. <laughs> we got something new that you've never seen. It's less options and optimization and in and, and a set store. Have uh, you guys. seen how big? <laughs> My hero lab has become for Pathfinder. Oh yeah, no, I'm talking about like 4.0 oh. at oh. yeah. watching Pathfinder walk away with the best parts of what they had at one point. <laughs> 4.0's just sitting there like a kid with a stick. And then you got fifth edition D and D, and those three books. Yeah, and you got fifth edition D and D, and those three books up there are still really all I need to run the game. Yeah, it's true. Like, yeah. Don't get me wrong, whatever they're doing with 5th edition, because they are releasing supplements. Yeah, they're somewhere. But oh, yeah, they're they're but not they're, bad either. They're solid they're supplements. Really good. Like, but that's what they are, is they're supplements. Yes. Yeah. Well, and you know because, what, they're like, not necessary to run the game, but if it's like, 
Are you bad at imagining things? Yes. Here. <laughs> well, one of the things really good at writing supplements that were just that. Yeah. Supplementary material. Well, what what a lot of the big companies can't protect against that keeps kicking them right in the dick hole is the internet exists. Because I'm going to be the first to admit this, and if, you know, Wizards, I'm not afraid of TSR, uh, TRS now, because who gives a shit, but if Wizards of the Coast ever came down on me like the goddamn vulture looking for the flesh that it can, you know, peel from my still dead body. Disney doesn't own them yet. No, Disney doesn't own They still have my money for magic, and I, I could go into a whole long thing about magic. But Just make sure that you aside, don't hear knocking on the back of the door, and I'm, <laughs> oh, who's in there? <laughs> I heard my name. That's a dollar, bitch. <laughs> now, um... But no, the thing about it is, is that I'll admit that I've always been like, oh, there's something I want out of that book. I need it for this game. And online. Let's see if we can find this. Oh, here we are. Oh, yeah. It kept <laughs> me from buying a book. Well, uh, and to the to the absolute fair side of things, Pathfinder. Also, okay. A lot of homebrews aren't that bad either. If It's like, well, no, this homebrew or, is actually more detailed than the book because they rushed the book to get it out. Cause or or sucked. people that are transferring ah. one system to another. Like, do you know how many to D20 system like supplements you can find? They're like, I oh, really yeah. like VTM, but I don't want D20. How would there I? Was, there was bloop. a giant boom of those. Oh, yeah. Want to play this in D20 because you don't want to learn their actual system? Well, here you go. One nerd in the basement made this in three <laughs> nights. <laughs> and, got, and got his friend who can draw. Where were you in the 90s? Not, not draw good, that friend couldn't, but, you know. I, she can I, draw good. Well, she can. I'm talking about the, the you always get the. We could have made, like, three or four of these. You could. The thing is, is back in the 90s, you could just I turn have, out any RPG. In I it, actually so. have sketchbooks that are filled with creatures that one day I'm like, I could make a book out of this. <laughs> There's these scraps lying around. At least 95% written. I know. No, Get to work. Dark, dark. No. An RPG book or a, a fiction book? Children's book. Children's. Oh, yeah. I knew about that. I thought you said you had one you needed illustrations for. Oh, no. Uh, there, there is a system that I'd like to write one day, and I will probably do it because, let's face it, um... Yeah, you, you get into podcasting, then you're self-publishing RPGs. <laughs> well, can I, can I say this, and this this be the honest truth, and nobody throw anything at me? Do you know what? Stop looking. Fuck you. No, okay. You know what you get when you get someone that loves D&D and loves RPGs and plays it for at least a year? A dude with his own goddamn system. It happens. Every, it happens to everybody. House I've been rules. guilty of it. It goes yeah. from house rules to, I have this world, and... I, I made up these characters, and the way that this world works, and they give you the four-minute elevator pitch, which, by the way, this I'm going to say this. This is the same for writing as it is for this. Uh, never sell shit on a four-minute pitch, because it's never going to be as interesting. Let people read it. Um, hmm. But no, every person I know eventually, especially in their late teens, early 20s, comes up with their own fucking system. That's how you get so many goddamn systems. But you have people that are like, oh, I want to play superheroes, but I don't like this one. So my thought was is that you're in a post-apocalyptic world with vampire superheroes. And... What you got? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're... non-flashes you, you, from that? Yes. I really am freaking PTSD. Freaking <laughs> that neckbeard that's always sitting in the corner with her one goddamn character that's the not lord a, of the world that no, they're not no, going to tell you no, is, but not, it is. Not even a neckbeard. So, 
I sometimes draw in public. Yeah. Don't which, do that. I, how dare you? I have the joy That's of being a writer. dangerous. I have the joy of being a writer. I don't write in public because I ain't going to get fucking bugged by people. You know, because every so often you get that random, it's like, generally teenagers, because... You want to see what I drew? Because it's like, <laughs> oh, you know, you have... 20 odd some years experience on me. Teach me how to draw. Oh god, yeah. And you want to see my RC? It's a this and a this and I was basing it on when these people were depressed and I also love Sonic. Oh, Do you want to see how it looks? It was, looks was like Sonic with a wig on. Money is either on Sonic or, oh. or an MLP OC. Yes. Every time. Is it something no, no, no. anthropomorphic? Oh, yes. Werewolf. It's like, oh, yeah, I love It's a furry. It, it's a yep. werewolf. It's a sonic something. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a vampire something. It has wings. It generally has noodly limbs. And it's like, drawn poorly. But okay. they're so proud of it. And you're going to Adventure sit there time. for the yes. next seven hours. To explain the backstory to- of this goddamn hideous scrawling on paper that's an abomination. And you're sitting there and you're like, I'm I just ad- wanted to I'm, draw. <laughs> I'm an adult. I need to be supportive because if I kick them in the nuts now, they're never going to think that they can do this again. Okay. And they can improve, but there's oh, a, there's my a, sanity. There's a rule for writing oh. that Stephen King always says. And he always says, whenever you write something, don't let anybody see it till it's done. And there's two reasons for that. One, because you don't want people to associate the shit that you haven't edited with your normal writing style because everybody writes shit. Okay. I write yeah, shit. I everybody writes shit. Yeah, That's why we edit. The second thing is, is because if you talk about writing or drawing or draw in public or you tell people I have to go because I got to go work on this manuscript or whatever, you will get a story from a goddamn person with an idea, not a writer, not an artist, a goddamn person with an idea. Yep. And this idea is amazing and this idea will make them rich and this idea is special and unique, and, yep. but it's not anything but a fucking idea. And you have to hear about all about this idea that you'd rather just take a spoon and dig your own ears out than listen to another. I have heard that with short stories, with comic books, with all this shit. And all I'll ever say is like, well, okay, I got to fucking finish writing X in this chapter tonight so I can't hang out and do blah. Which is why with mine. So I don't tell people what I'm I'm writing. I'll just be, I can't hang out. I got a thing. I don't want to hear your 40-minute story about a goddamn superhero who's actually death. Yeah, that's why it's like, do close friend groups know that I have an idea for a children's book that is mostly fleshed out? But am I going to sit here and, t- like, read the thing to you? No. Is it written? Damn near all the way. Is it edited? Kind of. Illustrations? Mostly done. Still playing with it? Yes. Can you see it? No. No. Yeah, like, uh, I recently... I sent this to you directly. So. Oh, yeah. I, I've got it somewhere. I had to write a play. I don't write plays, by the way, but I had to write a Christmas play for <laughs> art. <laughs> and I wrote it, and I just dead, get it out of dead, the way. Dead. Someday you'll all be dead. Oh, wait. That wasn't yeah. you. That was South Park. <laughs> and I wrote it, and I got it out of the way. And so... Every one of the actors was like, I didn't know you could write plays. And I was like, well, it's not a good play. This is a rush job. So I have this play. And I was like, I've only ever written this when it comes to plays. I can't give you advice. Why are you telling me? You want to know the care. fun one? Because you put things down on the paper, proofread it, and went, 
Yeah, that's good enough for government yeah, work. That was a good enough for government work job. Oh, 100%. no. You know the worst part? Yeah. We are recording episode five. We have reached our pinnacle of 40 people yeah. have listened to one of our episodes. Yeah. I mean, I don't mind. I, we I'm love each and proud. every goddamn one of you. We do. I'm proud of what we've done. Our sound quality <laughs> is... It's good. Middling to fair. Yeah. And our stories are entertaining, if annoying, and we'll survive. Yeah. I yes. mean, so not- far, nobody has given us any reviews or feedback. I'm looking at you hard, microphone. <laughs> that microphone's scared. But, <laughs> oh, God, he's uh, undressing me with his ass. <laughs> like, I, will what, do, I will do something very that I don't do, but if you give us a review, I'll give you a Justin Bieber heart. <laughs> Burn it now. My hands are in flames making this shape. This is something but, to watch. But no, um the smell I put is up horrifying. episode zero, right? Yeah. I put up the episode zero just to get our name going and everything Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Everything working in the middle of December. Before January fifteenth, when episode one officially launched. I had three people ask me how to do sound quality stuff for Twitch, and two people ask me about how they wanted to do uh, podcasting, and one person wants to talk about setting up a YouTube. Okay, we're all creative people at this point. I even had someone ask me about headphones because I enjoy good sound quality and fixed the equalizer on their phone. Therefore, I became a person that's as obviously qualified in advising all things headphones. I'm going to say this. Everyone at the table here is at least creative in some way, shape, or form, right? Generally. I piggyback on the greatness of others, but yes. Okay. (laughs) Sure. Okay. Hot take. You want to know how to do blank or how any one of the people here might have done blank? Here's the trick. You do it. it. I ran to the restroom and thought about things really hard. Yeah, Yeah, literally. You do it. There isn't a secret to, oh, teach me to be a writer. No, No. you're going to be a shit writer, and most of your life is going to be hard to do it. I can't speak for art, but I know that as a fact. If I want to be a good artist, you know what I do? You practice. I don't ask every goddamn person who is a good artist, how do you become a good artist? You sit down, shut up, and draw. And stop drawing Sonic. Yeah, same way. Please stop drawing Sonic. Same way. uh, Take a course and learn how to draw a 3D object. Learn how to draw a cube and a a sphere. Oh, or or at least on writing here. This or the Loomis don't, head. Don't write your damn self into your damn story, and your damn self has all the powers and is in a forgotten bloodline of damn bullshittery. Or that uh. might be a Mary Sue. Yeah. Oh, fucking every Mary no. Sue. I wish I could shoot no. him on the head. But no. no. But I mean the same thing. Like, how do I become a good podcaster? I don't know. Do the research and do it, man. Because what you're doing is you're not asking. How do I become like you? That's not what you're asking. You want the easy way to just have what it is. And you Give don't want to put secret. in the work. Give me yes. the secret. <clears throat> you yeah, know the secret is, so far? The secret, work. the secret was yep. uh, a little bit of sound equipment after a week's worth of Googling and trying. Yeah, and I am not the harder soul of this pocket. I don't know what the hell all any of the buttons do. I don't pull the levers. But you know what? We show up and do it. That's why. And it's hard for me to do it because I don't have the best of health. I'll be the first to admit that. I've always been sickly even as a child. But the thing about it is, is that I don't know how that works. I don't know how it runs. I could ask Brian, but if I really wanted to do something, I'd just put in the effort and do it. There's not a secret to it. Brian put in good hours to learn it, good hours of research, 
and did did it. Get your hands dirty and do it. What have we talked about for months at a time talking about how to become somebody better at running tabletop RPGs? Hey, that's that's my that's my creative yeah. thing. I'm really good at yeah. making interactive games for people. Yeah, and don't shit don't lean them on my shoulder. And go, You're so <coughs> good at that. Teach me how to draw. No, yeah. go practice. You know, what? I if don't, you want to be great I don't at an make, RPG, I'm not writing stories no. because I'm leaving these huge gaps for that's what players. Get, that's what gets yes. me as a GM. I I my problem is is I am a writer, and so it gives me nervous texts when. People go away from the storyline. So I, I'm not good at running games. I'm just not because they'll start wandering off. Like I had a game of Scion recently and Boat. My Yeah, Boat. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Preface this, Casey hears it, because he's on better terms. Uh, Austin, I deeply love you. So we have this storyline, and they need help with something. So they have a little bit of knowledge about Greek mythology. So one of them says, ooh, Circe. Circe would know. So they go on an adventure. I didn't prompt this. I didn't have anything. So I roll behind, a, you know, to myself to see if this character they're looking for from mythology is even alive. They are not. But that whole game is them going from uh, Athens, in modern day Athens, Greece, to Cairo, Egypt, to... You know, all these, like, Carmen Sandiegoing the whole goddamn thing when none of that is necessary. Not a damn bit of it. And eventually they get a hold of Poseidon somehow after making a sacrifice right on the edge of the Ganges River and asking him, we desperately need help. Where's Cersei? She's been dead for for a long time. I don't know why y'all are looking for this person. She's dead. And we basically had to end the game there because... I didn't know how to kick them back onto the story, and no one was convincing. <laughs> None of them asked, is this person still alive? <laughs> nope. They all just assumed that this person was and ran with it the whole three hours. And I'm like, oh, God, I can't deal with this. This is when, this is where a writer is different from an actual GM. Uh. Yeah. Poseidon's alive. Cersei's dead. But they're chasing after Cersei's also. Hell with Poseidon, you have been reskinned. You are now Cersei. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Me, I was just like, oh, oh, I, I'm going to have to tell them. And this is. Oh, no, one of my best is. <laughs> one, of, one of the best things as a GM, you write the problem. And eventually you learn to stop writing the solution. Yeah, that was my problem is I already have like what they could do to stop but it. You, They're never going to find that. You try and come up with a couple solutions that you can kick them towards if you're if they're kick run out real of, hard. If they've run out of ideas, but there's nothing better than oh, I bet so and so was behind it the whole time. Well, they weren't before, but that's they a are damn now. good idea. Yeah, see, my 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 games oh, yeah. never flow with <laughs> any sort of naturality because if you played the game as it is written in my in my on my laptop, it'd be really natural feeling. But it doesn't do that. Well, because with a lot of times, you know, you'll be running this thing and you have the aside. So you have your in character talking, and then you have your aside of just the actual players talking and they're like man wouldn't it be funny or it or be really cool if x thing did x x y and z and you, yeah, yeah. And you hear the gm in the corner get real quiet and then if you, you look listen up, really close you hear my pencil scratching 
Well, one of the other things <laughs> is like, I have a tell as a GM. And then at the end of it, it's like, we were all right. And the GM was like, mm, yep, you, yep, you, you were I, right. Yep. I have a tell as so a GM. Right. Do you know how you know that you're not going according to what the story is? You roll you run into a, No, you run into a bunch of monsters more frequently because I don't know what to do. So, monster uh, encounter. <laughs> Here you go. Just fucking I don't, kill this. You'll figure it out eventually. Bah! Oh look, there's something in this intestines. I <laughs> there's a note. It says from a god. Go here. That's railroading. Let's not do it. Oh no. Oh no. I can't stop them. Well, later on, they don't save the world. They just become drug runners out of El Paso, and they worship the jackal god from Native American. Like, well, the world went to shit. We didn't save it, but yeah, we got stable jobs. Okay. <laughs> Sorry I failed all y'all. <laughs> Sometimes that's how it works. Well, I you don't think, know what saved the world. So, I Sometimes think you set off a nuclear course. bomb in the 1920s. Uh, let me see if I can tie it back real quick. Uh, we talked about the history of the game. Yes, we did. How's that history affected you? Meaning, the fact that they exist and how they developed, what did it mean to you growing up? What What did it do to you? It gave me my outlet, uh, as well, as we said. You you, yeah, as we've said, you guys, you write. She yeah. draws. I, uh, admittedly, I do decent poetry, but someone's you, gotta. You don't. Poetry doesn't do anything unless it's put to music, and I don't have that kind of talent. So I'm not writing to. Yeah. I'm not well, making money off of this. Really vague, so that people read it and then think the wrong thing about it every single time and you're dead and going, no, no! Or you're the shit poet. Mm. The shit so, poet that doesn't write a rhyming poem that's just a list for a grocery list that's on a fridge that gets a goddamn prize. And you become poet laureate in 2007. And I haven't thought about that at all. No, but no, but I mean, you have to <laughs> admit that my yeah. my creative outlet was always... Always has been, always will be. And yes, I started out as a dirty munchkin power gaming teenager with no attention span. Didn't we all? No. No, well, didn't everyone here except for that apparent angel? Well, some <laughs> some people get into gaming late, so they don't... They, 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 skip they don't know the, the joy of the They skip the matur maturity level that is set the barn on fire. How are we going to get what we want from the tavern? Burn it! <laughs> oh, we no. did that in the last tavern. I'm a serial arson now. I had a it? friend. I had a friend <laughs> who always ran these really great games. Mm -hmm. But one time, something in the plot hook just didn't set with us. So, you're in the inn while they're trying to sell. While the the magistrate is trying to sell you on this thing that you're going to be doing. Just walk off. And we started to just walk off, so he yeah. locked us in the inn. And then you kill him. And then we set was a kidnapper. <laughs> and then we set the inn on fire. Yeah, I'll do it. Because only one person out of six was interested in this story. <laughs> and the one person is getting, just uh. eating it up, and he's playing to the one person. And everybody else is saying they're bored, picking their nose, and stacking well, their yeah, dice. And you have to learn that early on, that you can't sell a quest by someone giving it. You have to, okay... It's like psychology. Unless it's a personal's a person's problem, they're not going to care about it. So, like, if you want someone to go hunt someone down, have them appear and shiv one of your friends and then get off into the night. Then they're going to be motivated to kill them. But if you get, like, some dude who's like, my sheep were murdered by bandits. I give you a gold to, oh, where are you going? 
<laughs> okay, I mean, it <laughs> leads to the tavern. <laughs> it leads to part of a story where you learn that they're actually dragon kin, and then, but okay, I mean, have fun over in the distance. Fucking raping and pillaging, I, I guess. <laughs> you want the bandits to get murdered, have one of them run into town and shiv someone that's in the party. Just no, no, no. Straight up stash Just when, when you start the game off with people buying equipment, and one of your shopkeepers, for some reason, they will become emotionally attached to your shopkeeper. Yeah, I don't know what that is. So yeah. everyone will come up to your sh- to that one shopkeeper. I don't care. He's just a baker. Now they're coming to him for magic daggers. Yeah, but why? <laughs> he's just a my baker. favorite thing. My favorite thing is always having that one character. Now that have the bandit and kill him. Have the bandit kill, kill that the shopkeeper. Kill the baker. <laughs> then, then that bandit has just prayed to the gods to die, and you are now the answer to a prayer. That is how that becomes a thing. <laughs> and then in the bandit. You have a pocket. You, you, you have his, in his pocket a note where he's really the baker's uh, illegitimate prod- son. son. Yeah. <laughs> and now they want to resurrect the bandit and the baker. <laughs> and that's how you have a campaign. Yes, these are how campaigns are spawned. I always hate it because if you ever run a game, and I, I had to learn this. I'm not a great GM, but I, I can do in a pinch, I guess. But I always hate it when we always would have those games that are like, you'll come to this certain place. Someone in the corner looks distressed and mysterious. And then dead silence. They're like, let's see if they walk up to that stranger. No one's going to do that. That's just a bar fly in people's opinion. You have to, you, you have to force the, the first interaction. I want to sell the bar fly. A tour guide book. <laughs> I like it. I like it when people take advantage of the person that's supposed to give them a quest. And they, have you ever had that that character that has always played in your game that wants to sell people things or use manipulation like a goddamn bludgeon to get anything they want? <laughs> and so they'll go to the tavern and be like, "I want to sell you this." So, we wouldn't buy that. Hey, roll my nip. Roll my nip. And so he's like selling entrails of kobolds to like a <laughs> farmer, who's just like, "I just grow care. Okay." For sil- I don't have silver. I'm four copper pieces. Thanks for the fucking entrail. I don't. Yeah, I, I don't have players. I'm like gonna throw this on the car- compost heap. Toss. It's like his eighth time he's bought kobold because his wife is pissed off at him. Why do you keep buying that man? He just talks real good. Makes the carrots hardy. Makes the carrots poisonous. Oh my God, we're gonna lose children. Oh well, saves me money either way. Uh, see, that's why I really enjoy playing the more naive or just the characters that are so exuberant, so outgoing, that Barfly in the corner actually turns into an NPC that the DM is now like, oh, fuck, they've engaged with this person. Now what do I do? Or, or, the, or the NPC that just had a quest, but there's some goddamn player that wants to help this NPC to the point of being like their life fucking coach. Yes. Hell yeah. You know, I always hate it when the, like the barfly's like, listen, I'm, I'm an alcoholic <laughs> and I've just been attacked by, I don't need you to solve my alcoholism. Yeah. No, I did love a woman at one time in the castle. I don't step know if this one. is your problem. <laughs> Hi. Step one is admitting you have a problem. Hi, like, Dave. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Later on down the quest, yeah. you're like, that character has been taken to the capital. Listen, no, this is her house. She's married. No, I'm not going to confess love. She's just three kids. Ca- 
Who are you? I was supposed to stay in the bar. <laughs> Pushes against the door, knocks real quick. Everyone else runs away. And the PCs are behind him holding the boombox up. Yep. up from slum you actually. got me, man. Someday you'll be happy. I'll be happy when you're gone. The hell have you done to my life? I was a merchant. I haven't been on the road in four months. I'm starving. I didn't know you could laugh so hard your teeth hurt. I was like that. Or I always always love the player that that whenever they get into those situations where somebody has a a dark quest or whatever, intentionally make it worse. Because it just gives them purpose in life. Like, or, or you ever had it where, where they're supposed to return something and you have that player who's like, I need you to find an heirloom for my family. It was a dagger given to me by my grandpa. And then later on, they do the quest, get the dagger, like, thank you for the dagger back. And then that imp- that that player just stands there with the dagger because they're just having to consider, do I want to just keep this old man's shit? <laughs> yeah. I mean, or, you know, there's just the family heirloom of... In our family, we had the old monkey's paw. Grandpa took that to the grave, but it still had one wish on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that old man ain't getting that wish. No, he ain't. <laughs> First person to dig up that thing is going to be wishing for shit, and they don't care if it goes bad. But, exactly. but, I mean, these RPGs throughout history, they developed and everything, but they did shape both, I believe, the way we view things. Like, you can't tell me that fantasy hasn't forever been changed by D&D. The Dragonlance books, for God's sakes, will tell you otherwise. And it's changed the way video games run. It's changed the way popular culture deals with things. Um, I mean, you can't tell me that that Final Fantasy doesn't look a lot like just a four-man D&D party. Tell me this when you're drawing. How hard is it sometimes to shake the tropes from what you've learned in RPG? Like, when I'm writing a book, if it's in a fantasy setting, it is the hardest setting to write simply because you'll slip into a D&D trope somewhere. You're gonna and you have, have try your you're hardest gonna have to keep a it. tall, skinny, beautiful elf person or this the yeah. rough, gruff guy, or you're gonna have a tavern somewhere in there. Yeah, it's it's like, just how that yeah, works. Fuck. Because nothing is original anymore. We try and convince ourselves. We we put a new yeah, skin on it. We nothing being paint, original is the yeah. beautiful part of it. I think that's what makes it good, is that nothing is original. Well, we've hit about that time. Uh, All right, I'll start taking my clothes off. I guess we'll do this again. <sighs> hour, hour and a half in. So uh, we didn't cover history of RPGs terribly well, but like I said, broadest, we're sorry about the we tried <laughs> broadest of strokes, but we it, did have a good conversation. Oh, we're sorry and if we deafened anyone. Hopefully I'll you fix are. that in post. Yay. Um, He's going to leave it that loud. Keep whispering, it's going to make it harder to normalize. No. That's <laughs> um, what's great about it. Which, which you don't know, people listening to the future, is Brian gave up. You don't get to hear what she said. He was just like, no, not doing it. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to go ahead and... Like, there's uh, this awkward silence. The hell? I'm going to go ahead and thank Kevin McLeod from Incompetech.com for providing yeah. our intro and outro music. Yeah. Darksealand is outro, and mm-hmm. Faster Does It is intro. And uh, generally, thank you guys for coming. And uh, we'll so What's on decks for next one? 
we'll talk about it off air because I don't know yet. <laughs> I thought we were doing a whole thing about <laughs> RPGs about how to build characters and things. Yeah, but I didn't didn't know what we were gonna do precisely. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, this can be we're, edited. We're gonna shit on your favorite game. Oh yeah, I that's it. That yeah, exactly that's what we're gonna definitely do. gonna happen. I can do that yes, I'm look forward I'm, to that. We love you all. Have a good week. Yay. Bye.